Compete on every snap and have fun. And last, and most importantly, be physical. They got to do something. They got to do something. Put your shoes on Welcome to Hard Edge Football Podcast. This is Coach Rich Rodriguez. Welcome for another episode. And joining me, of course, is my broadcast partner, Raquel. What's up, Raquel? Not a whole lot for me personally, but there's a whole lot up in college football, that's for sure. Oh, is this crazy? This is the, the month of November, especially about the third or fourth week of November. You know, big time games, mm-hmm. a lot of changes, a lot that's happening, a lot of excitement and a lot of angst. A lot of nervous folks, uh, a lot of recruiting that's going on, uh, getting ready for the early signing period. So we got a lot to talk about. That's right. And first being that ULM went down the road to LSU this past weekend in Baton Rouge and played a pretty close game. I think it was a really great effort by the Warhawks. You know, it was the first time I'd been in just about every SEC stadium, I think. And that was the first time I'd been in uh, LSU's in Baton Rouge and uh, what an impressive facility. Mm-hmm. And got some impressive players. And they had been playing really well the last couple of weeks, especially defensively. I mean, I think uh, Alabama had eight yards rushing against them. So I told the guys, if we get a first down rushing 10 yards, we're good, man. <laughs> we're so – but uh, guys competed. You know, we had our chances. You know, still still mad that we did two times on uh, inside the one-yard line to get uh, touchdowns, and we just barely missed – Getting it, uh, you know, and uh, one in the first half, one in the second half. So that's 14 points right there. But anyway, I thought our guys competed. Uh, they weren't uh, awed by the atmosphere, so to speak, and gave us a chance at the end to still maybe have a chance to win the game. So made some plays, a lot of things to learn from uh, for the first time for a lot of guys in that type of venue against that type of uh, uh, athletes that they're facing. They quitted themselves pretty well. Absolutely. And as a coach, how frustrating is it when you're inside the one yard line and you just can't get it in? Yeah, I've heard that I had a kind of funny uh, meme or whatever you want to call it on the <laughs> sidelines. We lost that one because you could just see that that was going to be a touchdown and, you know, or trying hard. It's just, it's so frustrating because, you know, you worked on it all week and it's work, it's work, it's work. And then it's just one little thing you know, takes it off from uh, for a touchdown, so to speak. So those are frustrating, but you're going to have a lot of those you know moments throughout the year. You just got to hope that you're good enough to overcome those. And right. when you play at that level, you're playing a an SEC team at their place at that level, you've got to make those things happen in order to win the game. But it really was such a beautiful stadium, and their scoreboard was so clear, like high def. It was beautiful. Yeah, I love what they did with the place. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, it was – it is. Uh, you could just and you could sense. You know, night game and Death Valley of Baton Rouge. Uh, you could tell that. Uh, you know, they love football mm-hmm. and they'll be okay. I got a chance to talk to Coach O afterwards and uh, say hello a little bit. And then he reminded me he picked up Rhett. Rhett got hit out of bounds right by his feet, I guess. And he, hey, uh, picked up your boy. Told him good job or something <laughs> like that. And uh, so uh, uh, he's uh, he uh, he's he's done a lot in college football. And, and I think he's he's you know is at peace. I think whatever happened uh, right there at LSU, making a coaching change, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that as many many coaching changes that are either open now or going to open probably in the next week or two. So we can recap one of the biggest games, one of the most anticipated games this weekend was Michigan State versus Ohio State, and then that game was kind of over pretty quickly. Yeah, did Ohio State get their groove on or what? That's right. I mean, I watched just a little bit of it. Um, 
you know, waiting for for our game. And I think they scored on their first six possessions, touchdowns or something like that, against a pretty solid team. Now, I know Michigan State was having some issues with their pass defense in their secondary. And so that was a concern coming in. Well, Ohio State has been lighting it up, throwing the football, C.J. Stroud. And that group, they had the best group of wide receivers in the country uh, in college. So they're all, probably all of them are going to be in the NFL. So they knew that was going to be an issue, but they just was, was so efficient um with uh with with throwing the football and moving the ball up and down the field that it just I it just shocked Michigan State. And they got like yeah, they looked really good. I mean Ohio State certainly worked like a playoff worthy team and maybe the, the second best team in the country uh behind Georgia. Now, I think it's it's always gonna wind up it's funny how it's gonna wind down to Georgia. Okay. Alabama probably, Ohio State, and then oh but not Oregon. You know, nobody from the Pac twelve. So uh I I still stick by. I think Oklahoma State may sneak in either they or Cincinnati is going to get that four spot. Did you think C.J. Stroud made his impact as maybe a little bit of a front runner for the Heisman after that performance? He moved up there. And I think a lot of times if you're playing great for a playoff team and a team that's going to be in a conference championship, that's two more games that a lot of people are going to watch, especially conference championship games. You know, like Matt Corral, our guy Matt's having a terrific year and he's a little bit a little banged up, but he's, but he's still playing great. But he won't be playing in a championship game. They'll probably play in a New Year's Six Bowl. But, you know, so that, that's harder for, for that to get that kind of looks and profile because the Heisman voting is, is over in about three weeks mm-hmm. and right after those championship games. So usually whether it's a C.J. Stroud or a Bryce Young in Alabama, those guys are going to have extra eyeballs, a lot of extra voters watching them in primetime games. And if they win, their teams win, and they play well, that gives them a notch above. And you briefly mentioned it, that Oregon is for sure out of the playoff because they lost in a big way to a very talented Utah team. What did you think of that? Fighting Kyle Winningham. Kyle is, you know, he's a friend of mine, but he's been one of the best football coaches in the country for many, many years. Uh, His all-time winning is coached there. His teams are always tough. They play hard. Um, They're sound in all three phases and, and, uh, they did. I didn't watch all the games, just some of the highlights, but, boy, they look terrific. Mm-hmm. And there's probably going to be a rematch. I bet a rematch would be good in the Pac-12 championship game, and, and uh, that, that will be fun to watch. And I'm sure Oregon will come out in that championship game swinging, ready to redeem themselves. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see. Some people don't like to see the same teams twice. I think, you know, I think it's really neat mm-hmm. to watch it, to see maybe what the difference is. Um, you know, in, in the second go around, but it's uh, you know, for Utah, they're coming in. I thought not enough people were probably talking about them because you know they've been so solid, particularly you know, they've kind of dominated Pac 12 South in the last three to three or four years. So, I still think the Ducks, you know, what with, with uh, with the tiebreaker and all that's going on, will, will make it to the championship game, but that's and I think the score will be closer. But I think uh, Utah, I mean, Utah's still going to be good. It's going to be fun to see how they how teams adjust the second time around. And a team that has kind of flown under the radar but has won 10 games in a row is Houston. Not a lot of people are talking about Houston. What do you think about that? What about the fighting Dana Hogersons, right? Mm-hmm. I know we got a lot of West Virginia fans on the thing, and they, you know, they had Dana spent some time there, but... You know, it, 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 there were a lot of people. Nobody was talking about Houston, but he's got – I've watched a little bit of Houston, and I'll tell you what they have. I mean, they have some explosiveness offensively, um, you know, at the skill positions. But their defensive uh, line, their pass rushers 
are some of the best I've seen in the country, irregardless whether it's group of five. You know, Houston's kind of right on the edge, I think, between power five and group of five because of the way they can recruit and the talent in that area. And they've got some serious pass rushers at the University of Houston. And they're playing really good football. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll blow out UConn in their last game, uh, play Cincinnati in a championship game. And that, you know, if Cincinnati wins big or, or, or beats Houston, that's a really quality win because I think Houston – as a really good football team, and Dana's built that up over the last few years. And Houston won't be Group 5 much longer because they are moving into the Big 12. The Big 12, yep. But the question is, does the Big 12 still belong as a power, quote, Power 5 without Oklahoma and Texas? And I think they do. The schools that are in there are, are Power 5 schools. I think if you look at it from the standpoint is you know what their budgets are, the size of their stadiums, the crowd, the fan base they have – they still have – that's still a power five league, so to speak. Do you think that this past weekend, Notre Dame and Cincinnati both had big wins? Maybe they added a little bit of style points to those wins? What do you think? Well, I wouldn't blame them mm-hmm. the way it is right now. I mean, you've, you've got to try to get style points and, and do whatever you can to say, okay, this, this team is blowing them out. That means they're really, really good, and we need to move them up in the polls. And Cincinnati's won every game. And that, but they don't. They didn't have a lot of style points. They said it were too close. Well, it wasn't close in this one against a good SMU team. Now, right. SMU's got a good football team, and Cincinnati put it on them pretty good. And that shows you how good they are. And again, if you look at Georgia as the best team, and Cincinnati played them to the last second last year and basically got everybody back. That's a pretty good Cincinnati team. And then, of course, Notre Dame. You know, they got a loss, and they're outside looking in. I don't know. If, I don't see them making it. And they don't have a conference playoff remember they are a championship game to play in so they're going to be behind a little bit because of that maybe that'll force Notre Dame to get in the league you know oh, the yeah. fact that you know maybe they could have been in the ACC championship game or somewhere and and get more style points to get a chance to sneak in there right now you know they beat the breaks off of Georgia Tech but uh, even if they win their next game they're they're not going to be. Uh, they're not going to be in a playoff. Do you think that Notre Dame's contract or agreement with the ACC to play as many ACC games as they do maybe hurts them a little bit because they're not playing as many opponents like Michigan, Penn State that they used to beforehand? Yeah, I do think that. I think Notre Dame. I mean, if they're going to stay independent, which you know they still get their own revenue, they got their own uh, deal with NBC, uh, and they're always going to be on TV, and they have enough resources to do that. But uh, and their non-conference schedule, they play a good schedule. They play USC, they play Stanford. They, you know, they, uh, uh, they play a pretty aggressive. They don't play any one double A's, what have you. But they're going to need to get back on a regular schedule with Michigan or Michigan State. Get a Penn State in there. Get try to get an SEC team if they can. You know, a good SEC team because uh, that's what they're going to need because people are always going to question, does Notre Dame, because they don't have to go through the grind of maybe an SEC West and or, in addition, the championship game. That's right. a big deal, having to play the championship game as well. So um, I think Notre Dame going forward will probably look at that. So we've got some more coaching changes this week. Two of the big ones happening on Sunday night were Coach Dan Mullen was let go from Florida and Coach Chip Lindsey was let go from Troy. What do you make of those moves? Those were pretty shocking there. Yeah, it was a little surprise. You know, Dan, again, you know, we're friends with him. We know the family. And, and uh, you know, just last year, now, just last year, they were in the SEC championship game. And just two months ago, you know, they played Alabama down to the last second. This year, you know, watched them on film a little bit. But, you know, you could, you could see they had some injuries. They had some issues on, in, um, at different games. 
But I, I mean, it's that right now. I mean, when the things start to, you know, we know this. When things start to snowball, you know, it's hard to get that momentum going back with you. And I think they could have got it going back with them. But at the same time, they want they they kind of see, okay, here's Georgia doing so good, and that had to play a role in it too. Like, gosh, we're not well. They were there last year. <laughs> you know, they were in that championship game last year. So I, I don't. I mean. You know, again, I'm I, I err on the side of coaches. I understand why administrations make moves. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's uh, I've been a benefit of it, and I've been a uh, on the other end of the side. You know, so, <laughs> you know, as coaches, you know that's the deal. I mean, and and Dan Mullen is a really good football coach. Dan Mullen is going to have an if he wants, he's going to be able to take another. Somebody's going to hire him as a Power Five coach, or he'd go in the NFL, mm-hmm. and he'll have success because he's no he knows ball. Um, but it is kind of crazy where it used to be, you know, you had a lot more time to get things. And if you had one bad year, you know, and you had time, you, you get some time to recover from that. You know, coaches, it's it's different. And the money out there, you know, we can't complain. It's a big boy business. But it is it is a different profession, that's for sure. College coaching and co- big-time college, Division I college coaching has become so much like the NFL in that regard uh, from a standpoint of, they want immediate success. Well, I mean, like within two years. Do you think that administrations maybe justify firing people quicker now more than usual because the money is so big? No question. And they want to, you know, they 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 believe a lot of times that okay, if we make the turnover now, it may cost us in the buyout, it may cost us in the short term, but we'll gain in the long term. We'll get more fans to get in, into it. Uh, you know, it'll it'll get our our. Uh, people excited our donations will be up or what have you i mean we're not there are not a lot of schools that are paying these out that are losing money you know they may be losing some in the short term but in the long term they feel they get the right guy and so i think there's more pressure on coaches to have more success sooner uh rather than later uh but there's uh, a lot of things that you can't take shortcuts on you know you got you can't break the rules you gotta you gotta do things the right way but there's everything we're not talking about this is where college football is right now is unprecedented. It's it's semi pro ball. You got the transfer portal, so you got everybody's a free agent. You got the NIL, which is not making a huge impact, but you know you're getting guys getting paid. Mm-hmm. You know things before that were illegal now are illegal, and so recruiting has changed. And then you have uh, um, you know players going in and out, and coaches you know salaries out, out you know out of the roof sometimes. So. It's just nuts. I mean, it is nuts. And then, you're, you know, your social media has an impact. Oh, Whether sure. you, you want to believe it or not, coaches, social media has an impact. So it's, uh, it's crazy how, how the profession – so you, you as a coach, there's so much more you have to do and be now as a college, big-time college coach than what you're used to. And um, that's if you want to be in it, that you got to adjust to it. And we'll be right back after a short message from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by iPacket. iPacket takes the guesswork out of purchasing your next vehicle by putting all the important documentation in one place. Documents like the original window sticker, warranty information, new car brochure, and vehicle history report. You can even see how much the dealer spent reconditioning the vehicle. Ask your local dealer for an iPacket or visit iPacket.us to learn more. What's under review this week? I have a feeling this might turn into a little bit of a Rich Rod yeah. rant. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's going to be a rant. And yeah. what is under review this week is the holding call. 
holding calls, and you can. I'm not talking about pass or defensive backs holding or anything. I'm talking about when the offensive line gets holding calls against them. And of course, I'm referring to one that was right in front of me, right on our sidelines, a key play. We just made a first down, and I saw the side judge right by me just throw the flag out. And I knew he was going to throw the flag out, not because our guy was holding, but because the defense guy flailed his arms. In fact, I know I've talked on the show before about we used to have the defense alignment take a, a period in practice where they f- learned just to flail their arms to draw holding penalties. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's amazing how much that happens. And I see the pro guys. I saw in a Monday night football game, you know, Tampa Bay, New York Giants, a guy kind of lost his balance, fell down. The defensive guy fell down. The offensive lineman, they said he kind of torqued him. He didn't torque him. He was just kind of ba- basically – Sitting and standing with his hands out as the guy fell down, they threw a holding penalty. Took away a 40-yard game. And those holding penalties are like, they say it was 10 yards. No, if you gain 20 yards, that's a 30-yard penalty. And to me, the officials never, they just, if you flail your arms, they just, oh, he must be holding. You know, instead of actual grabbing a guy. And I'm people say, well, you're an offensive guy saying that. No, I'm just telling you. Because you could do the same thing. You as an offensive guy, you can flail your arms when the defensive back barely touches you, and the official will probably throw a defensive holding penalty. You know, because they don't see the whole play. And sometimes I know most officials don't do that, but sometimes I think officials feel they have to be active. You know what I mean? In the game, they got to be. They got to know that out there. I, oh, look at the guy fell down. He couldn't. He wouldn't have fell down on his own. He had to hold him. Look at his arms, his arm action. He wouldn't be flailing his arms if he wasn't getting hold. Yes, he does. The experienced players, the college and the pros, defensive players, when they're getting beat or they're not getting to the tackle, some of them will just flail their arms, and sure enough, here will come the flags. So you're saying you should teach guys to flail your arms if you're on defense? Here's might be the best coaching tip I've given in season two of hard-edge football. If you're a defensive line coach – and your guys are rushing the passer, tell them if they get off to the edge there, but they haven't reached the quarterback, and the quarterback's about ready to throw it, and you know you can't sack him, just tell them to flail your arms like you're getting held. And they'll call it. You're going to get a holding penalty. Or And if you're a wide receiver coach, and your guys can't get off press man, but the ball's getting thrown to them, tell them to flail their arms like they're getting held by the DB, and you're going to get some defensive holding penalties. That's the coaching tip of the season, Raquel. <laughs> Teach that and work that and practice. It only takes about five or ten minutes. Do you think that holding is the most called penalty in college I football? I think it's the most subjective call in football mm-hmm. and the one that's the most inconsistent. Interesting. So you think it's more inconsistent than the targeting call? No question, because targeting you can review. Mm-hmm. If they would review a subjective call, like a holding mm-hmm. or pass interference, Oh, maybe they have to stop the game about 20 times. Let's move to our coaching tip of the day. What's your coaching tip this week? Well, it's going to be a quick one, other than the holding penalty <laughs> deal. Uh, I'm going to do uh, on teaching route. Wide well, receiver coaches that are listening, or running back coach or tight end coaches, when you're teaching your guys how to run a curl route or a hook route or a stop route, whatever you want to call it, when they get 10 to 15 yards down the field. I see so many times uh, guys or receivers or whatever run – and then at the top of the route, whether it's a 10-yard mark, 15-yard mark, they'll, they'll drop their hips, chop their feet, and then turn, and then turn around. And I'm like, well, that's the last thing you should do because that tells the corner 
or the DB that you're stopping the route. Now, if you're going to do a stop and go or a stutter or whatever, that's fine. I keep telling our guys, why are you dropping your hips and chopping your feet and letting them know? So you want to be able to burst at the top of your route, but not change your stride length. If that makes sense, you know what I mean? Keep the same stride stride length, trust your leg strength, and when you get to that 10-yard mark or that 15-yard mark, whatever, you're bursting, then you're just turning around. Don't chop your feet. Don't sink your hips or sink your shoulders and your shoulder pads so they know that you're going to stop your route. You always want to make the DB think you're doing something that you're not. So if you burst them and keep the same stride length, he'll get he'll either bail out on you or get deeper. And then it's easy just to turn around and catch instead of so many guys that now wanting to, I don't know who would teach this. That makes no sense. Somebody said, Oh, you got to drop your hips. And then so you could turn and slow down and, or turn and get around. That's, that's the last thing you should do against a DB. How much of that do you think is also being consistent with discipline on the running these routes? Oh, no question. That's when you talk about football requires so many different individual fundamentals that have to be disciplined all the time. And as a coach, you know, eventually when you get it right, you hope you only only have to do it every year is to teach the new guys. Now, when you're a first-year staff or your first first time coaching the team, that's the hardest year because you got to teach everything, not not just what the plays are, but how to run those plays. And that's to be very frustrating when you have young guys or new guys or you have a completely new system to a staff for our team. We're going to move to our questions of the week this week. First question is, do you think that the Big 12 will retain its Power 5 status once Texas and OU leave for the SEC? I do, because the teams that are left in there, even though they don't have, obviously, the cachet that Texas and Oklahoma has, they are still big-time programs. If you look at what their budgets are, what their attendance is, their fan following, their history. So it won't be the same. I think as with Texas and Oklahoma, uh, even though Texas has been struggling a little bit, uh, I do think they'll maintain its so-called Power 5 status. Our next question is, what do you do or what do you recommend to do physically, mentally, and emotionally to avoid coaching burnout from the coach's perspective? Well, that's a good question because it it can be a long season because you're working seven days a week. Uh, if you might have a bye week, you might be able to take a couple days off, but you, but it is a lot of work and, and, uh, you know, coaches, you got to make sure you take care of yourself physically and mentally. I always recommend always try to get in some kind of exercise routine, whether you do it in the morning or you do it at, at lunchtime or something where you get a half hour to 45 minutes or an hour of exercising in, uh, at least a few days a week. And then the other part, and this sounds kind of crazy, Raquel, but, I always believe when you have meetings with your coaches, don't always have it all football. In other words, let, let guys sit around, talk about their families, tell stories. Uh, I think the greatest, one of the greatest medicines you can have is laughter. You know, laugh a little bit, you know, find something funny on film, find something funny uh, that you can uh, share with your staff. And anytime you're doing that, the meetings don't seem as long and the time that you spent there is a little bit more enjoyable. So I've always believed in laughter you know, having a good time, but at the same time, getting your work done. Our next question is from one of our loyal hard edge football listeners. And we recently found out it is his birthday this week. So we would like to wish him a great happy birthday to Jeff. Yeah. Happy birthday, Jeff. Appreciate you listening. So his question is, it's a big rivalry week coming up. You've been a part of some of college football's biggest rivalries as a coach and a player. Once the ball is kicked, is there a difference between a rivalry game and 
and any other game, or is it pretty much 11 on 11 once things get rolling? Yes, that's a great question, Jeff. There is a little difference in a rival game, but especially there's a difference in the game, a certain type of intensity. I think that's in, on every play and from the sidelines as well, but also a different type of intensity during the week. You could, you hope you just see it. You know, you talk about it. You don't talk about it maybe during the season as much, but you talk about it during the off season and during that week of that rivalry game. I mean, it's all laser focused. Uh, you know, the guys understand how important it is. They hear about it all year long, and so when you get to that week, it's almost like, man, I'm glad this week is here. So that's all I I, I, I could talk about our rival all week. And then when you get in there, there's a certain intensity. You got to make sure they're not being stupid and getting stupid penalties. But that intense, it's usually easier. I always say this, to get your guys ready and hyped up for a rivalry game than not because they hear about this game year long. Now, believe it or not, it's rivalry week, but it's also Thanksgiving week. So we've got a few Thanksgiving questions. (laughs) First one is, do you smoke, fry, or bake your turkey? And if smoke, did living in Arizona make you partial to mesquite? Well, that's a big word, mesquite. I like mesquite. <laughs> I like turkey. I like smoked turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I like all kinds of turkey. I am, a, you know, more more than ham. I think you, you and Red are probably yeah. Are more we than prefer ham. ham on Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, not traditional, but, but <laughs> yeah. But I, I kind of like that the smoked turkey is good, and uh, I don't know what we're going to do for for this one. But as a coach and college football coach and NFL football coaches, most of your Thanksgivings are involved around football. You're going to either have a game that day or the next day or that weekend. And so you don't have all the time a traditional family Thanksgiving because you're just kind of a normal work week for the coaches. We had a couple Thanksgiving questions, but one from one of our greatest supporters and loyal listeners, Jen. She wants to know what are your favorite Thanksgiving foods? Hey Jen, thanks for asking. Favorite Thanksgiving <laughs> turkey and gra- you got to have some gravy now. You You're you right. got to have some gravy. Um, what else do we have? On I like sweet potato casserole. Yeah, that's way too. That's that. That's a fa- too fancy for me. Oh, I like sweet potato. Sweet potato. <laughs> uh, twice baked potatoes. Now it's hard that's to go wrong good. with twice baked potatoes, turkey, uh, gravy. I never like beans. You know, I don't like any vegetables cooked other than corn. Isn't that crazy? I'd you rather don't really have eat green... too healthy. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather have green beans raw right out of the garden than, than I would cooked. Oh, yeah. So not a real beans. But then you got to have, uh, and I'm not, is pumpkin pie part of the tradition? Nah. Yes. I used but... to make pumpkin pie all the time, but you never ate it. <laughs> no, not, a, not pumpkin. I'd rather have, I have ice cream, though. You got to love, you got to love a, an ice cream sundae as well. <laughs> so, but yeah, traditional turkey and gravy, mashed potatoes is pretty good. If you get some corn on a cob, boy, some sweet corn on a cob is good. Uh, yeah, and so an ice cream sundae for dessert. Yeah, sounds good. If you can't tell, we're probably going to be hungry after recording no, I'm this hungry podcast. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> and our last question is from the head of ULM's FCA, who's super great. His name is Aaron Dickinson. His question is, it's fourth and goal from the 13 with 20 seconds left in the fourth quarter. What play do you call for the win? Hey, Aaron. Thanks for the question. And by the way, Aaron is fantastic. He is he is super with our guys. Love having him around the program. But I don't know if I should answer that question because we still <laughs> we still got games left. But uh, fourth and go at the thirteen. I think the the obviously what you got to do is be able to get three at least three or four of your guys 
into the end zone or near the end zone. And then you can have one that's maybe a little short of the end zone on a drag route or something, but you got to be able to, I mean, I, sometimes you can maybe sneak a screen in there if you think they're going to blitz. So you can make check into a screen if you think they're going to blitz. Most teams in that situation will probably drop seven or eight into a certain zone. And you just got to have guys that get into the end zone at four different areas and find four open spots to try to try to uh, throw the ball for a touchdown. I think that's a pretty solid answer without trying to give away too without many tricks. away too many tricks, yeah. <laughs> that's not the easiest situation to do, but it is, that is, that's, a, that's a fun scenario to, uh, to think about. So it is rivalry week, and we've got a whole bunch of games I'm sure you're looking forward to tuning into a little bit in your free time. What are some of those games? Yeah, well, it starts off on uh, Thanksgiving Day, the annual Egg Bowl. Ole Miss goes to Mississippi State, and that's a great rivalry. You know, the intensity there will be all-time high. They're both having pretty solid seasons, so that'll be fun to watch and tune into that one. You know, then on uh, Friday, there's a there's a couple interesting. There's an interesting game with North Carolina, North Carolina State. That's a big rivalry. And NC State is quietly having a really good season. You know, our, our guy Tony Gibson is defense coordinator there. They're eight and three. You know, that's at NC State. And then the then the uh, oh they call the Apple Cup. Mm-hmm. Washington State and Washington has an impact on who might win the Pac-12 North. Washington State still has a chance at six and five with an interim coach to play in the Pac-12 championship. So that is that is Friday night. Then in Saturday, you know it's coming. Saturday at eleven, Ohio State is going to the Big House against Michigan, ten and one against ten and one. Ooh. You know you that thing is going to be packed. It's going to be loud. Uh, that's going to be a great game to be able to watch a little bit. Well, we probably won't be able to watch much because we're getting ready for our own game. But that's going to be a huge one as well. Uh, Florida State and Florida are both at five and six. How about that? And they're playing for a bowl game. So that that is Saturday as well. And ULM is going to Louisiana this weekend to face the 10-1 and Raging Cajuns. And Coach Billy Napier, his name is mentioned in just about every coaching search because he is just that good, and they've been so talented the past few years. Yeah, why don't Billy go ahead and take a job now? <laughs> <laughs> take, one be- take one before Saturday. But, another, yeah, they're having another great year. You know, and they have not uh, – somebody told me this week, they have not lost a Sunbelt West game, a Sunbelt West division game, in four years. Wow. So, you know, they and they've won the Sunbelt West again. So it's going to be a big challenge for our guys. And we, where there's a challenge, just like last week against LSU, there's also an opportunity. And we got to try to take advantage of that opportunity. And they just beat a talented Liberty team as well. So what other things are you looking forward to preparing for against the Raging Cajuns? Well, they, they're, they're a veteran team. And I think there was, uh, there was talk about Coach Napier maybe leaving last year, but he knew he was got a veteran team coming back, you know, the, Long-time starter at quarterback, a lot of seniors starting on both sides of the ball and defense are six or seven seniors and three juniors, I think, uh, starting. So they're, they're an experienced team. It's going to be the senior day for them. So they're going to be – we're going to get their best version. And what we got to do is make sure we get our be- bring our best version out there and compete just like we did last week. And uh, when we get our chance to make a few plays, let's try to make some plays and have some fun with it. That's right. Just have some fun with it. And you never know what could happen in college football, like we said last week. So it's rivalry week and a crazy weekend for a reason. A lot, and, and unfortunately, <laughs> uh, on Sunday and Monday, 
there's going to be a lot more movement in, in college football. And the dominoes will start to fall even more. They typically do. You know, they call it Black Monday or Black Sunday, whatever you want to call it, when there's a lot of things that are going to happen in college football after this weekend. So I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about going forward. Well, we appreciate everyone for listening. We hope you have a great rest of your week and happy birthday to Jeff. Yeah, I really appreciate all of our listeners, uh, our, our especially our sponsor, iPacket. They've been a, they're a tremendous sponsor. And then also our good friend Paul Astorg and Astorg Motors out of Parkersburg, West Virginia, Charleston, West Virginia. In the last our last two games have been a road trip, three and a half hour road trip, and it's been able to use a tricked up uh, luxury Mercedes van. Uh, to take the family down and back, and it's been uh, great. It's a beautiful vehicle, and a lot of thanks to Paul. And, you know, I think he's the best car dealer in the country and certainly the tops in the state of West Virginia. So Asterg Motors, big shout-out to you. You can follow us on Instagram at HardEdgeFootball and on Twitter at HardEdgeFB. And last but not least, everybody have a great Thanksgiving.